Uh, well, I could welcome do to. Oh no, you're gonna do it. No, yeah, oh. I was gonna do the well, intro. Well, I was gonna do the intro. Well, I thought that I was gonna do the intro. You mad at me right now? I might be. I, I How might about be if mad I delegate the intro to you? Um, are, do you hate your husband after kids? We'll find out in today's episode of Baby Steps. I almost called it the tripod. I'm so sorry. You're better <laughs> oh, at doing man. intros than me. <clears throat> Why don't you hit him with the intro? I think you just did it. Oh, I did. Yeah. We uh, we had a very special, very exciting episode for you all here on Baby Steps, the weekly parenting comedy podcast. We're talking with Jancy Dunn, the author of How Not to Hate Your Husband After Kids. My uh, dog-eared copy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I could cry. <laughs> Welcome, Jancy. This, this is actually my second copy because I gave away my first one um, you, <laughs> to you, my best friend. You dear viewers, that argument in the beginning of the show was simulated. Um, no actual husbands were harmed in the filming of that <laughs> argument. It was it was a bit. It was staged. Uh, that said, we do have uh, fights, and we do fight fair, I think. But, you know, there's a lot to learn, uh, whatever your relationship is. And we're excited to learn from Jancy today. How are you, Jancy? I'm doing all right. I'm so happy yeah. to be here. And I have, is it okay if I lead off with a question? Because I want to know if, remember, Ariel, your four-part um, plan to be kind of more, um, to be happier and one thing was to ask for help. Are you still asking for help? I just have to know just as. Yeah. I feel like Ned and I, you know, asking for help. That's a big one. Uh-huh. Um, and kind of delegating the things that that like I feel like I need help with. Um, mm-hmm. And one of those things is definitely the dishwasher. And Ned mm. has taken on the like emptying the dishwasher like Ooh, a hero. That's hot. Oh, th- it's, oh my. It's hot. He like, he, like enjoys it now. I don't I don't know where well, this I've, joy comes I've actually from. I always enjoyed it. I don't I just didn't realize that you didn't enjoy it and that you specifically needed help. So I'm I'm happy to do it. Ned, you enjoy it? Is it like a is it like a meditative thing or like what is it just like uh, oh I it, it pleases something. my sense of organization and categorization. Mm-hmm. I know where everything goes. Everything has a spot. It's all nice and clean, and then it goes in its spot. And and who's who's uh, who did all that organization? Oh, you did. And you oh, did, you yeah. did such a great oh, job with you. it. Thank you. We, and you're we, very good at things too. Thank you. I am very good at things. <clears throat> it's true. <laughs> it's true. Thank you. Thank you. Always nice to meet a fan, Ariel. Always <laughs> nice to meet a fan. Like and subscribe for more Ned. <laughs> Oh, in God. your household. <laughs> what, so what are the other steps of the four-part plan? Personal time. So a little, you were, mm. Ariel, you were exercising in mm-hmm. the morning, I believe. Yep, exercising in the morning. Right. Um, I ha- I did do that for yeah, how's that going? a week. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I plan on doing it more. Yeah. I, you know, I have high hopes. Yeah, neither of us are, are too strong in the morning exercise game. But we, we you know, we, we have plans. For it, which it's like the fact that we've made plans makes us feel better about not doing it. Right. But that's exciting, too. It's like a luxury. You're like, ah, I'm not going to get to it today. How about um, another was um, eating better because a lot of moms just eat like spare French fries or whatever and they don't eat properly. That's very true. So I think that was another one, wasn't it? And sleeping. Sleeping better. And sleeping, sleeping. Okay, how's that going, the sleeping? That's that's, it's going okay, actually. we're, We're doing this thing where I'll take Finn at night. Um, and okay. so like however many times he wakes up, I'll, you know, get up with him and, and we'll feed and we'll, you know, kind of, uh, hang out in like a dimly lit room. And then when it comes to like five thirty, 
when it seems like he yeah. might be up for the day, then yeah. I'm sort of like, hey, Ned. I'll take him at the crack of dawn, bright and early. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Bright and spicy. And then Ariel, Ariel gets to sleep in. Yeah, in. for like an hour until Wes comes in and is like, it's light outside. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, it is, buddy. Great. And we we gave Ariel a spa day. <gasps> I had a spa day. Yeah. Can you believe? Whoa. I yeah. know. Wait, was there an occasion or was it a random spa no, day? No, it was because sort of Ariel was feeling spa? burnt out. And we were like, well, what if you just go? You always, people dream about going to a hotel and just doing nothing, reading magazines. Yeah. Why don't you yeah. do that? <laughs> Although I could not find anything that was open. So I ended up going to a a Marriott hotel that is about 10 minutes away from our house. Not a sponsor, but a okay. great, yeah. great brand. Hit us up, and, Marriott. And sure. uh, they, I sat by their empty pool uh, that, mm-hmm. you know, hadn't been cleaned or heated Safe. for probably. Well, okay. uh, <laughs> 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 Don't listen to that part, Marriott. <laughs> or do listen and and clean you know. and heat your pool. Um, no, and, and so I just sat by the pool until uh, until the sun went down and it got too cold to sit there anymore. And I read a magazine and then mm. I went and I got dinner. And then the next day I went and I got a massage. It was really really nice. Wait, you got a massage at the Marriott or somewhere else? I slept at the Marriott. Oh, you slept alone at the Marriott. I yeah. slept alone at the Marriott. Yeah. Until oh, yeah. how late did you sleep? I slept until 8 a.m. 8 a.m. Can you believe? <laughs> Can you imagine? Wow. All of our 17-year-old listeners are like, I don't know what's going on. What is what, <laughs> what's wrong? Until I, nine regularly. Why are parents so obsessed talking about you know sleep all the time? That's the first thing we say to each other in the morning, is it yours? Like, how much sleep did you get? We that's all Tom, my husband, and I talk about. Yeah. Mm. So that's a lovely gift. Yeah, it was a lovely Ari, gift. Were you long, did, did you were you able to sleep without anyone around? Were you just like, no, oh, yeah, or yeah. I not, told her not to, a problem at all. I told not her to turn off all. her phone and don't bother texting me. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't. I I did not. I'm text. like, I'll be fine. We had a boys' night, you know. Me and the boys, just me and the boys. We made some hamburgers. Yeah, we filmed some TikToks. You know, we were talking, talking and talking. I love. You should have seen Ariel's. <laughs> happy face when she talked about sitting by an unclean pool. It, I mean, was, it was glorious. Like you were glowing. Yeah. It was glorious. Yeah. It really was. It was so nice. And it was like 4 p.m. You know, it just, and it was like a little no. chilly. And I was like, no, I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to stick it out. <laughs> <laughs> what did yeah. it feel like to not even think about your husband and kids for a whole 36 hours? Uh, I don't know what makes you think I didn't think about well, you. You know, <laughs> there, just, there's not a moment go- that goes by that I'm not thinking about I'm you or Wes or Finn. I think that's just that's just uh, that's just how my brain works. Right, 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 right. Isn't that? I but think that is a lovely, thoughtful gift. I cannot think of a nicer one than it to is. just and randomly like you didn't tie it to any holiday, like a birthday or an anniversary, like. That's so major that that it was just a random Tuesday or something. And yeah, wow. Well, so we're talking about how not to hate your husband after kids. <laughs> and that's, um, that's one way to do that's it. That's one way to, that's do, one it. Way to do it. It's sponsored yeah. by <laughs> Marriott, not a sponsor. <laughs> clean your pools. Um, <laughs> I mean, I have to say, Jancy, that Ariel got your book while she was pregnant. And 
the, the first time. The first time. Yes. And I saw yes. it and I thought to myself, oh no, what do you mean you're going to hate me after kids? What is this book? I don't like it. Yeah, he I, was I don't like, like the way it makes me feel. He was concerned. He was uh, concerned. You hate me right now already? Because at the time, we were where I think you were when you sort of describe at the beginning of the book where, you know, you didn't know that any of this was going to happen. You had you had a great marriage. You Blissfully you know, unaware. Blissfully unaware. Sleeping um, in till 8 a.m. on the reg. <laughs> you know, not having to trade off. Cooking, you know, for fun. Reheating nuggets for fun. And uh, <laughs> now, but Ariel, you did it when you were pregnant, so you did, hadn't even had Wes yet, and you were being proactive? Yeah. Well, I, you know, it, it, it had already sort of made the rounds of, of my friends that were already moms. And uh, and so they were like, you should get this. Uh, you know, it's, it's super fun just kind of to give you an idea of what it's going to be like. And I was like, well, yeah. okay. Then after the babies come, I realized, ah, it is... A prescient book. <laughs> it is very important to learn how not to hate your husband after kids. It's true. I mean, I read it the first time, and and I was like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, this I I can kind of I I can get behind this. And then when I read it the second time after we had had Wes, and I think Wes was you know like a year and a half at that point, and I was reading the first chapter, and I was just like, this is me, and this is me, and this is me. It is so eerily accurate to my own life um and and like i just i just remember reading it and thinking to myself like how does she know who i am <laughs> how does she know <laughs> I, love that. Oh, I mean and i wrote it for i know the title is inflammatory and we did ned we did try other titles like how to love your husband yeah they probably stunk the i get it like, no yeah you need I a grabber it. But it hooked me. If we had the budget, I would have put a fake cover on it, you know, like introduction oh, to string funny. theory or something. We just didn't have the money because like a fake flap that would go over it. Because, again, it's, of course, a normal reaction to be like, wait, what's with the, what's with that title? You know, and and then you read it and you see, I mean, I wrote it not for people who are in abusive relationships. That's another sort of book. Mm -hmm. It's for you know, a, a husband that you loved enough to have impregnate you. You have a, a good marriage, a solid marriage. But then it just falls into the toilet, you know, and you yeah. just you're so baffled because you love each other. And you think, like, how did it come to this? Where's our avocado brunches that we used to do? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's no, it's sort no, of like no more, no. like when you have a kid and and you, you know, all of the things that you appreciated about your marriage uh, before you th those those things sort of sort of go on the back burner and and you kind of for, like or maybe you never even realized what you had before and mm -hmm. and 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 yeah. now it takes work now you're you know kind of uh having a, a a strong marriage and having a a partner who's really there for you it takes work and it takes talking and it takes like open communication which before I've, i i feel like we are the classic example where we just had a great relationship and things just sort of came naturally we didn't mm -hmm. have to say like hey can you empty the dishwasher or hey can you you know like mm -hmm. sweep the floors or hey uh can you get off your phone and and do xyz um you know but now you kind of have to like actually voice those things that you need
Yes. And do you re- <laughs> I was the same way, Tom and I, my husband, were the same way that you guys are. Like when people would say to us when it was just us, because how long were you two a couple before you had kids? Was it a while? It was a while, right? Yeah, like a it was a while. Eight years? It was, it was almost 10 years, yeah. See, yeah, we were nine years, and that's a long time to really get in sync with each other. And I remember my parents would say, marriage is work. And I would think, not for me, suckers. I've got a good one. <laughs> yeah, like, we got this, you know. And, and it really was easy, and there wasn't all this negotiation. And then, of course, when you have the baby or multiple children – when is there time to even analyze your relationship? You're just rushing to get through the day. So there's that too. And like, it sort of sometimes can disintegrate and you don't even realize it because you're just running towards the finish line every day, right? And so we we never even analyzed what was going wrong. We didn't even, we weren't even in that head, you know? So yeah. that's another problem too. And then before you know it, it's, it's, it's at least with us, it was, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, so one thing that yeah. we really wanted to talk about was when it got really bad for you and you chose to um, to go to couples therapy. Yes, which I would highly recommend. And I know it's not, um, I know it can be expensive. And um, two things I just want to say, and one is that really scour your, if you have health insurance, um, you know, sometimes it's hidden in there, but sometimes therapy can be covered by your health insurance and they just don't make it very easy for you to find and you can go to um, what we did a couple of times is, is go to therapists and training. If you call a psychotherapy institute, um, I know U.S. people have much worse problems with this insurance crap. I know. But but if you go to a psychotherapy institute and you say, are there therapists in training? That's what we used. And they're, they're wonderful therapists. They're just not that experienced. So right. you can get them either for free or for not much money. Oh, so well. I just wanted to say that because I know – you know, when I recommend therapy, I know I know it can be really crazily pricey. Um, but anyway, so we we I knew, and this is how kid centric I was. My marriage again was was well in the toilet, and I didn't think about it. And what was the impetus for me is that we realized our child, our daughter Sylvie, her personality was changing, and because we were so in the child um, frame of mind. I, I started realizing when I was I in our dynamic, I'm the hothead, and my uh, husband is the one who sort of retreats, closes down, you know, the shell shuts. And the more he retreats, um, it's a pursuer distancer dyna- dynamic. It's really common among straight couples. The more I would yell, thinking, you know, do you hear me now? And right. it would get me madder and madder. And he would just hope I would simmer down, but I did the opposite. And so we started fighting. And when um, our, it was really when our daughter was a baby and we thought, she doesn't, she doesn't understand us. We can fight. Um, but there is research that, of course, babies as young as six months, their brainwaves start going like this when they hear tone. So if you're harsh and argumentative, even if they don't speak yet or understand what you're saying, they're having a stress response. You don't want your six-year-old baby, six-month-old baby to have a stress response, you know? Right, and right. We just didn't realize. We, we used to fight my daughter was like two and she'd be watching Curious George and we would fight over her head and like gesture at each other. And she was, children are sponges and she was picking up on that and we, we didn't realize it. It was just so, I wish I had had the marbles to figure out that that we were affecting her. We thought we were selectively fighting and like, oh, she's fine. We were sweet to her and fighting with each other. So anyway, her personality started to change when Tom started taking up um 
chess on his phone and he would play with people all over the world and he he started right great when the game. baby came great out game. he plays chess on people his phone played all it for the thousands time. of years uh, oh, you're kidding me are you social chess have you played with my husband uh no but we we could play he's probably better than me if i've read your book correctly well Ned, he's had a lot of he's years of practice of he trained for the new york marathon he took up long distance cycling the minute the baby's umbilical cord was cut right mm. so he started doing all these things to kind of escape us so we started fighting a lot, and when I would yell, he's not a yeller. Again, he's a retreater. My daughter, when she started getting older, like around three or four, would jump in front of Tom and say, stop yelling at daddy. What she saw was me attacking him, and she didn't wow. like it. And then our formerly happy, chattery, you know, exuberant child started retreating a little bit. She started um, getting a little quiet when we would fight, a little watchful. And I thought, ah, we're changing our personality. And I went to this guy, um, this famous doctor who's the head of the Yale Parenting Center, and he said, you know, I was talking to him about a different article because I write a lot of magazine articles. And he said, have you asked her how she feels about your fighting? No, I never did. I just never did. And I went in and I said, does it make, how does it make you feel when daddy and I are fighting? Because we're not yelling at you. I'm just calling daddy a dickhead, you know? And she said, it gives me a stomach ache. And I thought, ah. It gave her a stomachache. Oh, my gosh. A stomachache. Like, come on, right? And and yeah. I, I was just blindsided. And I thought, okay, we have to fix our marriage right now because our child is, is, is her personality is changing. We're ruining her. And it's so, when I think about it now, it's so sad that, like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm losing a connection with my husband and we're not being kind to each other the way we used to be. Because we were just like you guys, like, civil and kind and appreciative of each other and and we really didn't fight i mean i know that's annoying but we we, we didn't fight all that much yep. i dated so many people i was so happy to meet him and 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 so that's what was the key for us to get therapy was that and and then later we thought well, why didn't we just work on our relationship because of us so yes yeah. that was a really long answer but then we went to a variety of therapists including um including Terry Real. Yes. And I mean just reading that chapter of the book. So there so the <laughs> the the chapter in the book, uh, let me what's what's the title of it again? The it's Man from Boston. The Man from Boston. The, the context for listeners that maybe have not read the book is that uh Jancy as you were saying, you were seeing some issues then you tried a bunch of different techniques to uh repair things and wrote about all of them. And this one was probably one of the most uh, confrontational because it was a really a scared straight type of uh, therapist <laughs> who Ned, Ned would tell the... you uh, get off your ass and help out to your husband. <laughs> Our harrowing encounter with the man from Boston. Yes. Um, I I thought that chapter was very funny because it's really uh, it's a very direct way of working on your issues. <laughs> it is an unusual form of therapy. Um, it's it's concise and you know he does so okay i i before it um folded i worked for um oh the oprah magazine and mm -hmm. when i started scouting around to all my kind of editor cronies i said who should i go to and they said oh you have to go to the man from boston and i, I thought who who's this man from boston that everyone talks about and um there's actually these two, in therapy circles there's two men from Boston that people talk about. One is this stop smoking guru that everybody goes to. And the other is oh. the guy that yells at you when you have marital problems. So I, his name is Terry Real. They said, you know, 
you better prepare yourself because he's harsh and that's his MO and he's going to tell you things that you don't want to hear. And I thought, oh, you know, not gonna, I'm, you know, I, I thought, well, he's going to tell Tom things he doesn't want to hear, but I'm good. <laughs> so Hacker Bags, and this is how, this is how dysfunctional our relationship was. We never went out ever. We, Tom and I never went on dates and we were like, oh, date nights. It's so silly. We never nurtured our relationship in any way. Like our, your beautiful plants in the background, ours would be like a dead, crusty plant. Oh, no. These aren't oh, real. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these, these are, these are fake plants. They, they are beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. But this one's made out of plastic. So we, we made an appointment and he does these weekend intensives. He does regular therapy too. And he's not cheap. Um, he is normally, he's probably more now, but at the time when we went, he was 800 an hour. And so we do the math. I took it right out of my book advance. And this is how dysfunctional we were. We never went out, so we had no babysitter. And so we took our child to our, our marriage intensive. We we put headphones on her and gave her a bag of candy and stuck her in another room for six hours. And she watched <laughs> cartoons until her eyes bled. But that's something's wrong with that, right? Terry, Terry saw us bringing our child in and setting her up in another room. And he was like... <laughs> and, <laughs> Face palm. Like, I'm so glad you're here. I have so many things yeah. to say. I mean, yeah, he he couldn't wait for us to go. So he's intense and he drills right down to it. He's very gifted. And he had me go in there and Tom go in there separately. And he gave us the most intense, forensic, invasive therapy session of our lives. And like, there's something about him. You just tell him the truth. I was telling him things I never told another human being in my life. And then he gets us both together. And we had an hour long intense session where I remember I had dry mouth, my eyes dried out. I was just, I was like, <laughs> he just, he just gets right to it. And there was something weirdly exciting about it when, I mean, I find therapy very interesting and exciting because someone is coming to you completely um, a third party mm-hmm. and, and doesn't know anything and is, is examining your relationship in a way that your friends, your mother, your this or that cannot, you know, because of course your friends are going to be like, oh, tell him to, to go to hell, you know, and he really got right down to it. And then he, he yells and he swears and wow. he basically took everything in and we had to describe a couple of our fights. And he said to Tom, are, are you kidding, man? It's the 21st century. Get off your ass. What the hell? Why are you not helping her out? Who do you think you are? You're so entitled. You sit there and you play social chess while she does all the work. That's why she's worn out. That's why she's yelling at you. He went on and on and on. And Tom was like, (laughs) and and I thought, oh, I kind of like this. You know, I kind of like the man from Boston. And then when he was done, he said, "Uh uh-huh. Now we're going to talk about you and I was like, what? What are you talking about? There's nothing wrong with me. Because I was, I was, I really. After he, he must have yelled at him. I mean, it was a couple of hours. It was a long time. It was a little back and Ow. forth, but it was a lot of like, are you insane? And so I go to get my purse. You're I'm like, great. Oh, it's lunchtime. Uh, I think we're done here. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See you later. Yeah. I'll, I'll just write uh, a check. Confirmed uh, all yeah. my uh, priors. So thank you so much. Could and you imagine what that would feel like if somebody just berated you? Oh, yeah. I mean, that would be a real shock to your system. Yeah. You know, I definitely. Well, you felt I, protective. Mm-hmm. I felt protective of Tom because he was really, you know, and then in the middle of it, surreally, you go for a lunch break. And so Terry said, 
Terry was like, all right, well, there's a there's a Whole Foods down the street. You can go there. So Tom and I were like, <laughs> we didn't talk the entire time. I remember we ate burritos at a Whole Foods <laughs> cafeteria and then just like violently. shuffled back and, and went for more. But then it was my turn. And he said, you know, you're really comfortable with your self-righteous indignation because I, could, I, I told him that what happened was I would get angry that he wouldn't help out. And my mom friends, there's a there's more of an instinct, at least with my mom friends. They just kind of help you out. They don't think about it. And I I would have to ask Tom and he would ignore me. And so I would kind of like hate prepare dinner where I would bang things around and hope that he would notice and help me. And he's Terry said, he can't read your mind and you're being passive aggressive. And why are you not telling him what you want? And he said, I never forgot this. He said that it, it can feel safer to feel self-righteous indignation, you know, to be like, I'm doing everything as I'm cooking, as I'm emptying the dishwashers. I'm doing it. It can feel safer because you're feeling righteous. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're like, instead of saying, I feel like I'm drowning. I need help. I really, you know, I feel like I'm not connected to you. And, and so I had to learn to, as he put it, climb off the cross because he really felt like I was a martyr hanging on the cross, which I was, you know, and he was saying, you're being a martyr. You are at fault too. You're not communicating your needs. And you're also, I was doing this thing that he said was um, called maternal gatekeeping uh-huh. where I was setting a trap for Tom. I see this now. I could scream. I would say, you're not helping me out. And then when he tried to help me out, I'd be like, uh, you're you not, you're not dressing her right. You're not putting on her diaper right. You're not bathing her. right. Let, let me, let me do it. And and maternal gatekeeping can either be criticizing your your male partner, you know, it's 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 literally opening the gate or shutting the gate. And I would open the gate and then I would verbally criticize him, like, oh, she's gonna drown. You're not bathing her correctly. What? Uh, look, she's going under. She's slipping. What? Give her to me. Give her to me was the number one thing I said. Or hmm. maternal gatekeeping. The criticism can even, um, and I love that I'm being filmed so I can show you. It can be noises. It can be like. You know, it can be just undermining him, which is what I was doing. So I would set a trap for him. He would try to help, and nobody knows what they're doing at first. I mean, you can, you know, we we some some of us babysat, and you think, oh, I've got this. Nobody knows what they're doing, and so it can really put off a hesitant, insecure father. And that's what I was doing. And he said, you can't. No more maternal gatekeeping. There's like multiple different ways to solve any given problem in. Right. You know, in parenting and and caring for babies, it's like there's there's sure there's a way that you might do it, but the way that I might do it is also valid. <laughs> How many exactly. times have I done those things to you? Because oh. Chancy, as you were saying that, I I'm like, oh yeah, just the other morning I was being super passive aggressive because you know Ned did yeah. X Y Z and uh, at all the time I'm like Ned, uh, she's gonna. He needs a sweater, yeah. don't you think? We probably you know, need like... to work on that. I, I think you do that a fair amount, to oh, be honest. Oh, shoot. I, I, I do feel like, you know, judged. In the, Time like, to go back to therapy. I can't, uh, can't do anything right. I mean, that was one reason why Boys Night was so fun. was because we ate uh, hamburgers in our underwear. And, and did whatever you wanted. Nobody could tell us that that wasn't okay. Because you know what? It was okay. <laughs> <laughs> you threw the sweaters on the floor. You stamped on the sweaters. That's right. You're like, we don't need quite sweaters. Um, but yeah, we listened to explicit um, Megan the Stallion music quite loud. <laughs> 
I probably would have come in and be, been like, we have neighbors. At least an know? eye roll. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, Wesley's soaking up all of this uh, uh, information. You know, you do realize. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Ariel, you catch yourself doing that? Do huh. you catch yourself doing that sometimes? Because I, I do it even, I, I have to really monitor myself and not say like, she needs a vegetable if he makes her dinner. Like it's enough that he made her dinner. It's okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All the time. All the time. And and I I actually, I have your book to thank for like keeping it in my head. You know, I think to myself like, like th- there is no vegetable on that plate, but you know what? It's going to be fine. Like it go like I still f- hear it in my head and then I think to myself not the time. Well, I'll give her a vegetable tomorrow. <laughs> her him. <laughs> I don't know, girls. <laughs> I'll give him double the vegetables tomorrow. Yeah, I'll give him double vegetables. It's fine. He'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, I think like that is a real uh important dynamic for people to be aware of of like in the 21st century uh, non-birthing partners need to divvy up chores more, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you're both working. There's no excuse. You're both working. There's not enough hours in the day. You yeah. can't have one person be doing all of it. And then simultaneously, when the person that, you know, isn't usually doing this stuff starts doing it more, you can't be gatekeeping and criticizing them. Right. It's kind of, it goes hand in hand. One of the things that uh, that you wrote that Terry... Uh, actually said to you was that uh, the relationship job description has changed, which I I read that and I was like, it's so true. Like the job description of of being in this relationship, the two mm-hmm. of us um, has changed. Right. And, you know, like we're both working. We're both caring for kids. We both need to pitch into the housework. Um, yeah, I thought that was really, yeah. really interesting. Well, especially now with the pandemic, I mean, things are because we have no outside stimulation at almost at all. I mean, everything is really standing out in relief as to what what each person is doing. I mean, it really this is an opportunity. um, I mean, I've been saying this to other people, but like it it is an opportunity to sort of fix in terms of chores and child care any imbalances that you have, because there's no escape. You know, you're seeing exactly what's going on right now when you're home. And it's true, Ned, what you were saying, um, you know, for women outside of the household in the last three decades, things have changed radically. They're now half of the workforce, but inside the home, not so much. So I really do recommend, it, it is the most boring, unsexy thing you could possibly do, but I do recommend to sit down and write down all the chores and ch- kid-related things that you do in the house and divvy it up. And like, the weird thing is, I don't know if you two have found this. I would love to know, actually. Do you ever fall into these like household jobs and you don't know why you do them? Like, there's, again, especially because you have two, there's no time to think about it. But Tom used to do the grocery shopping and he actually hates it. And I would think like, wait, so when we when we sat down and divvied up our chores, I said, why did you end up doing the grocery shopping? Huh. Like you just end up doing stuff and you don't know why. I mean, some of it's gender roles and, mm-hmm. you know, societal things. I mean, is there something? So we went and divvied up and I would love to know just because I love knowing this stuff. We talked about the dishwasher earlier when we were chit-chatting, but like we went by, we went back and, and same sex couples do a lot of this. They don't divvy up chores. There's been research about this. Um, according to gender roles, like, you know, the man does the, the, the lawn cutting and the woman does the, you know, food prep, they do it according to preference. 
And so, you know, there, it's very freeing not to have that stuff, the shoulds of, you know, a woman should do this and a man should go do car maintenance or whatever. <laughs> so we divvied it all up. And I actually love going to the grocery store because I love food. I love seeing the new food developments. I like seeing all the new snacks. And I, I like the Hall & Oates music at our local grocery <laughs> store. I'm like, why, why was he doing it? He doesn't like fluorescent lights. It's one of his weird things that he doesn't like. So we switched. And he doesn't mind doing the laundry. And that was another trick is that that was his motive for doing, for him getting all laundry. I mean, this is another thing is to make it. I keep going all over the place, but what I learned from the many experts, I mean, I probably talked to hundreds of experts, is conflicts arise when things aren't clear. Make everything crystal clear, and then you won't have as many conflicts. You really won't. Like, Tom does all the laundry, 100%. And his motivation for getting laundry duty is that he hates when he runs out of underwear. He's dying right now if he's around listening to <laughs> me. Like, don't talk about my know, underwear. Those are my skivvies. <laughs> yeah, again, you know. And, and that, because that makes him crazy, and that's one of his points that he really gets nuts about, then he does that. I unload the dishwasher because I have this kooky thing where I can't stand dishes in the sink. It makes me even one dish. Why? I don't know. I don't know why I'm like this. But if that's your thing, then you should own that thing and, <gasps> and do it. Maybe I should learn how to put away your clothes as well as my clothes. Oh, yeah. So I, like... <laughs> Do the laundry, uh, but okay. I, I, I'm terrible at uh, taking the laundry out of the dryer. It'll sit in the dryer for days. Uh, oh, you know, one of those. Just getting all wrinkly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I will only take it out of the dryer when I have to put another load in the dryer because I store my dirty laundry in the washer. Um, <laughs> and so when it gets full, then I turn it on and then efficient, I have to do the efficient use of space. It really is. I mean, maybe I just hate laundry and you need to do all the laundry. But th the thing that I hate more than doing the laundry is putting away my laundry. I will have clean folded laundry sitting in our bedroom for how long is it? I I've it's, gone weeks. It's been over a week. I've yeah. gone weeks with I, just clean I, laundry know, sitting there. If you reference my uh, satisfaction at putting away a clean dishwasher, I'm the opposite. When clean folded laundry comes in, thank you so much, honey, for doing the laundry. Bam! Immediately <laughs> in my closet. Sorted. It's done. When we come back from a vacation, uh, you know, oh, I got to unpack. Oh, I do it the night we get in. Bam! <laughs> clean suitcase, clean room. Let's do this next I have, day. <laughs> I have my suitcase open on the floor. I, I mean, it could sit there for days. Days. And I'm, and I'm yeah. like pulling out dirty clothes and clean clothes and being like, mm, dirty or clean? Mm -hmm. uh, definitely dirty. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know why I'm like this. I do That's not know okay. why. I just you know. hate putting things away. I hate putting things away. Um, I, I think love in the past we've given you like, this is this my stuff couch. <laughs> yes, I've <laughs> always like, had a stuff couch. If, if I have at least one place to sit, I'm happy. And then you can have some parts of the couch that is for yeah. stuff. As long but as you know, over a week or so, it does start to... Oh, I know. Yeah. No, no, I, I can definitely tell when it starts to bother you. Honey. Honey, when are you going to put this away? So yeah, that could be... I could just put away your laundry as part of my chores. That'd and be great. bam, win-win. I mean, I've already labeled everything, so I mean, I, if you gonna, just start opening drawers, you you know where things go. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna need a, a full training session. A refresher. Yeah, where I'm gonna need to watch a couple of YouTube videos on your closet organization. Uh, that's fair. <laughs> did you all after you had the kids? Did you 
have to re-divvy up chores the way that we did? Or did you have a system that was basically working? You know, I don't think that we have done that exercise. So I love that. I mean, anyone listening, I think that's a great thing to try if you're I think finding. I w- yeah. We've sort of done it informally. Um, but yeah, actually going through and writing out every single chore and every single baby responsibility. Yeah. I, I actually I really, I, I enjoy cleaning when I have the time to do it. Um, okay. And so, so I do a lot of the cleaning. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I, you know, I think that there, there's always, there's the person who, who, um, who has a higher standard yeah, for yeah. cleaning. Because I, I also <laughs> enjoy cleaning, but relative to Ariel, her standards are higher than mine. Yeah. I would call Ned's higher. cleaning, okay. you know, like you, you enjoy like getting out the vacuum every once in a while and you enjoy tidying. I enjoy tidying a bit more than cleaning. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I see dust on the baseboards and I'm like, oh, it's going down. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I get that way about dust bunnies, but uh, probably not. A little, little lower standard for dust per se. <laughs> I mean, we could done. It is a good exercise. Again, I know it's not that exciting, but it's kind of amazing when you. Number one, it's when you write down everything that you do as parents. It's kind of disheartening. Yeah. But if you can, <laughs> and again, it doesn't need to be. I stress this a lot in my book, but things don't have to be fifty-fifty because it's unrealistic. And also, if you're um, obsessing about fit. Like I had a couple of therapists that, and I, I didn't, you know, kind of, they were saying it really should be 50, 50 and you should, you should absolutely be, you know, monitoring that. But I feel like that's yet another energy stream that I don't have to monitor whether things are 50, 50, mm-hmm. number one. And number two, I do feel like if it's feels equitable, then that's important. Like if it just feels fair to you, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was saying I was when I was being a martyr, I was saying I do all the cooking. Now, I love to cook and I love food, but I started getting self-righteous and I said, you know, why don't you do any cooking? And he said, "Okay." so he cooks one or two nights a week, usually one. And is that fair? Is that 50 50? It isn't. But it makes me feel good. It's Mm -hmm. just one 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 night off where I don't have to do anything is good enough for me. So it's whatever works in your relationship. And only you can say that, you know. Yeah. It just has to feel you just have to be on your own side. Like this is another thing is like I would I would try to, you know, speaking up and saying what I needed was actually helping me. Like that was another thing that a therapist said to me is is just stay on your own side and 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 do what's kind for yourself, you know, and and um uh can I get back to though your household chores? This fascinates me. Sure. Sure. What about the kids stuff? How do you divvy that up? Is it a day-to-day thing? Do you negotiate? Because we had to really negotiate everything. Everything. Mm. How did it how did your roles fall? I mean, I'm just curious because mm. I always like to know. Uh I mean, in terms of child care, um mm-hmm. we it's 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 daily. It's it's kind of a daily shuffle where it's like, okay, well, I have to do this. Can you watch them for this amount of time? And the clearer okay. we are with times of like I have this meeting from 9 to 11 and um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I will watch the kids from 1 to 3 or whatever it is. Not like time in, time out, but knowing that you're like, okay, this is my time. I'm really going to focus on being with the kids because then I will be uh, I will be relieved at this certain moment. And, And if one of us is like late for whatever reason, you know, that can be an issue because you're kind of relying on the times that you've uh 
you know, you're, you've laid out because what you're saying is it's important to be very clear and have clear roles. It's so true. Mm-hmm. Like when the things are more clear and more clearly communicated, I think we're both happier because you, you know, for better or worse, agree to the the outline and then just do it. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it also, you know, um, we we've definitely come to a, a point in our lives where we streamline our energy you know, where if something, if, if something is just sapping our energy or taking too much, then we either outsource it or, or we tell the other person and we say like, this is too much and, and I need help with this. Um, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I feel like when it came to, uh, like kids laundry, I used to do the kids laundry separately from our laundry. And now everything goes in together. It's just one big happy family, poop and everything, you know, whatever. (laughs) Like, it's fine. It'll get clean. There's soap. It's cool, right? It's cool. Um, And then when it all comes out, you know, eventually you just fold it all and it gets to the different rooms. And then it it eventually gets put away, usually not by me. Uh, But, uh, you know, it's and and then in terms of food and things like that, it's kind of... um, We'll we'll sort of discuss it in, informally beforehand, kind of like what do you want for dinner? Do do you feel like making dinner? Because we both love to cook, and uh, and okay. so it, it's yeah. It's sometimes sort of we're a, fighting over who gets to cook. Yeah, because because you know the other person ha- is is like kind of watching the kids while the other while one person's cooking, the other person's watching the kids, and so you mm-hmm. sort of have to figure it out that way. It's like, are you interested in playing soccer with Wes outside, or would you like to make spaghetti and meatballs? Like, what's the what's your what do you want to do tonight? Mm-hmm. You have your negotiation skills are really on point. I, I commend you because that is not easy. It isn't. And a lot of couples don't know how to negotiate. We had to learn because, again, going back to that, oh, everything happens organically. And I remember one therapist we saw, his name is Guy Winch. He's a New York City therapist. And he's, I said, I don't want to have to negotiate. That seems so dry and cold. And he said, when you, the minute you have a baby, Every single aspect of your life is up for renegotiation. Nothing is the same. There's not a single thing that that baby, a single realm of your life that that baby doesn't touch. Your food, your weekends, your money, your everything. And so you have to renegotiate from the bottom up everything. And again, not so fun. And I wish there was a way to do it that was sort of festive. But we we had to learn to negotiate. You you two are much um, better off than we were when our daughter was um, Wes's age because we just didn't know how to do it. We fell into the trap. I don't know if you guys ever do this, where um, we would our form of negotiating was more like squabbling about who deserves um, the the f- more fun job. Because we, we definitely like, do that be too. Like, <laughs> you do because we oh, yeah. seriously, really? Oh, because yeah. I feel like you have a really yeah. We we would be like, who deserves to sleep in on the weekend more? Who worked harder this week? Who was with the kids more and is more drained? <laughs> who deserves to you know to play with? Although you know, playing with kids, it can be fun, but it can also be just as fun to make spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah. Like it's not necessarily that that's the better job sometimes, especially if you've been playing with the kids all day. Exactly. You exactly. Know? And and that's why you know you, you just kind of have to talk about it and and negotiate. Like mm-hmm. what what would what's more interesting to you right now, you know? Mm. But the other thing that we do that, um, that you also talked about in your book is we appreciate each other, you know? So, so when, Mm. when like, when the laundry does get done or when, Mm. you know, like Ned's making spaghetti and meatballs, uh, we say like, 
thank you for doing that. Like, I see you. I see you doing all that work. She gives me like a medal anytime I uh, empty the dishwasher. (laughs) So I kind of have this like rack of gold medals in my closet. You're like a general with the medals right here. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, because like I feel like I deserve a medal for just doing the bare minimum. (laughs) No. <laughs> but it's but true. It, it is true, and I would love a sticker chart. But uh, that's a different conversation. <laughs> but he Just does the same thank for you. me. Just like, saying thank you. Ned actually will. Uh, he notices when I shower, and mm-hmm. and he'll say like, "Thank you for doing that." Yeah. Like, Positive thank you for taking care of yourself. Yeah. yeah, she's. I'm like, you smell nice. She's like, I showered. I'm like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's 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 like we we. We had it so rough when when Wes was first born, and they, and and we just it's like we were hit by a truck, you know, where just everything was harder and and mm-hmm. and nothing came naturally. And we learned that appreciation through couples therapy, actually. Yeah, kind of learning how important that was. Huge. So it's it is very important for yeah. For and so and so now, like I, we I I think we actually use it, you know, to to even more than we oh yeah maybe yeah, yeah. Should. i mean i was joking about the the getting a medal for ordinary tasks because that's how we operate that's just how we operate <laughs> it's like it's, it's, wow it's great almost, job getting out of bed in right, the morning it's almost huh? to the point of passive aggressiveness <laughs> no great I don't job think so. breathing in and out like hero hero yeah, exactly no, but it really does it really there's research that you cannot thank your partner enough and that wow. it was this georgia state um uh, study that the couples that go the distance, they say thank you a lot, that you actually can't say thank you too much, even when it borders on like comedy that you're saying, you know, thank you for breathing in and out. Like it it, it honestly is <laughs> you did it. Um, one of the factors that helps people go the distance. And that thing about being appreciative, I mean, that's so important. And I love that you do it because you can get what's called confirmation bias. And that's when when you dwell on certain things, then everything that you see reinforces that. Meaning mm. that if I think that my husband does nothing and sits around, then every time he sits down, it's going to register with me. Oh, of course, he's a bum. He's not helping out. He's a bad husband. And and you get tunnel vision and it gets narrower and narrower. And then you don't see the good stuff. And John and Julie Gottman, they're one of the most famous couples therapists out there. And one of their mantras is look for the good. It's two things. One is look for the good and the other is to say yes as often as you can. He said if John Gottman said if he could reduce his everything into one metaphor, it would be to say yes as often as you can. And and it's it's really true. And I think about that all the time. And the other is look for the good. If you don't look for the good, it's not confirmed. You don't see it. And we had this one therapist. I know this is in the book, but again, Guy Winch. He had us do this exercise where he had us write down 10 things that we love that our partner did for us. Not characteristics, because that's easy. That's like very like a birthday card. You know, you're funny, you're nice, you're, you're, you're adorable. Instead, it was specific actions that the person did for, um, each other that we appreciate. And I remember I was writing this down. Um, Ariel, I know you read this, but like, and one of them, I remember I was right, he said, okay, write down the 10 things and bring it to your session next week. And, and we said, okay. So we, we secretly wrote down 10 things that we loved, actions that our partner did for each other, me and Tom, and we brought it. And we thought we were going to read it to Dr. Winch. And he was like, no, you're going to read it to each other. And we said, oh, all right. So I got weirdly shy and emotional. <laughs> so I had my little piece of paper, you know, I was like, 
okay. Um, <laughs> I, started, I started going through the list and it was like, you know, you make the baby laugh when you pretend that your, you know, shoe is a phone and you answer it. And no. then I went down and I was like, and you painted my parents' house. And then I was like, you <laughs> He painted my parents' house. Every weekend, uh-huh. he would drive to Sparta, New Jersey, get on a ladder where there was a hornet's nest, and paint my parents, not his parents, Your my parents, parents their, the exterior of their house. And I, that, of course, because that was when um, she was like one or something, that just blew by me. Like, how could I not have been appreciative? And I started crying in our session because I was like, the dude, I mean, that is love. You know, it's not always about like giving compliments. It really is sometimes looking for actions, which is another uh-huh. thing. My husband in love languages, he's all about acts of service. So he's not about pretty words. He doesn't do flowery words. It's just not his way. I wish it was. He saves it up sometimes. He'll do it for like Mother's Day or whatever, or my birthday, but that's not his way. But it, once I started paying attention to his actions, um, like, like usually he, when I do podcasts like this, he sets everything up for me and he makes sure my lighting is good. That's why I look so weirdly pale and Dracula like uh-huh. today's because he wasn't able to do my lighting. And, um, <laughs> and I can see my neck is a different color. Like this would never have happened if Tom was in charge. Of <laughs> and that's love. That's love. And it's, it's, I wasn't looking for it. So I didn't see it. And you do have to, that's a long winded way of saying what you're saying that of like, appreciating each other is an action that you have to decide to take, isn't it? It's not, it doesn't come naturally when your life is so crazy, when you're both working, when you have two children, you know, it can be difficult. I love that you're talking about negotiation. And one of the things in your book was that you had some tips from an actual FBI hostage negotiator. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Which is this the same hostage negotiator when I was rereading it uh, a couple of days ago? Did you watch the Waco uh, Netflix documentary? Is it the same guy? No. What? Same guy. Gary same, guy. same guy. Same guy. I yes. knew it. I knew it. Gary Nestor. And now we're friends. And and when he comes to New York, we have dinner together. He's really great. Oh, my Classic God. And, um, <laughs> yes. So that's what he that's what he did. He would he was a, a hostage negotiator for 30 years in the FBI. He would put down prison rights. He he is, you know, he would rescue people that were kidnapped. Like he, he is the absolute paragon of calm in a crisis. And so I remember, um, you know, I can tell you quickly, I was at the gym. I saw this bank heist in like Texas and people came in and, and, and made the guy surrender. He was waving a gun around in like two minutes. And I thought I should call up a crisis negotiator and see how, if they have any tips. And Gary told me there's this eight part behavioral staircase that they do with um, with an agitated individual uh-huh. in the FBI. And I, I was that agitated individual. And he, he said the number <laughs> one thing, number one tip that he loves is paraphrasing. When we get upset, and it's, it's often because we feel like we're not being heard. Mm-hmm. And it's so simple. And it's psychology 101. But you, 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 the person has to paraphrase, just repeat in their own words, what you're saying. And that way you know that you've been heard because Tom could do this thing where he wasn't actually listening to me because he could repeat like a computer what I was saying, but he wasn't actually, you could tell he was just repeating it. Yeah. And when he put it in his own words, it was great because I felt like I was being heard. Sometimes we would laugh because 
he would get it wrong and then it would break the tension because we would just laugh. <laughs> um, another is um, is um, verbal affirmation. So when someone's talking or ranting or raving like I would do, ranting, not raving, he would say, you just, you simply say, uh-huh, yes, go on, yes, mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that calms people down because it feels like you're listening, you're tracking them. And, and it's hard to be mad at someone who's going, yep. I hear you. Yep. Go on. And I, I know. Yeah, I hear you. And I know. Uh-huh. I doing, yep. And it Check still out. works. <laughs> and like even um, another one is mirroring where they just um, repeat the last few words that you said. Like you can go through another rant and then you say, and I'm pissed. And they say, you're pissed. And you're pissed. And you're pissed. Okay. And and when that happens, you're like, yes, yes I am pissed. You don't know, uh, You get it. So I will put the gun down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're right. It's not worth robbing the bank. <laughs> yeah. And he, you know, and it and and keep your keep your tone, you know, modulate your tone and 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 all those things just really do serve to calm you down. It's kind of amazing. Um and you know, leading with I statements, he would say one of his examples was um he would say to someone who was, you know, completely screaming like I can't hear you when you scream at me. If you can just uh, lower your tone, then we can maybe get to a solution. And it's not, you should, you is inflammatory. You're a jerk. You're being too loud. You're screaming. Lead it with I. Um, and that really does help. And and just getting off the subject for a minute is also saying, um, I feel, this is something psychologists say, is if you talk about your feelings no one can argue with you. If you say, I feel disappointed that the laundry's still sitting on the couch seven days later, they can't argue with how you feel. That's how you feel. And so that that's actually one of the, the another, I, I interviewed two crisis negotiators. Another one was um, also with the FBI. And he said, if you talk about how you feel, that also diffuses the tension because instead of saying like, you're a jerk, then, then, then the person would say, no, I'm not. Or they start arguing with why what you're saying is wrong. They can't argue mm. with how you feel. Yeah, how you feel. As long as you don't say, I feel that you're a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm sorry that I've made you feel I'm that way. I'm sorry that you're <laughs> such an asshole. <laughs> uh, wow, that's great. I want. Can, can we practice? Can we practice? Uh, <clears throat> do you have something that you're mad at me about? This is exactly the same way that we talk to our toddler. Oh, sure. Yeah, because yeah, that's true. We yeah. learned that in the toddler book. There's a toddler book that every... I can't remember what it's called. It's called, like, Name Your Feelings or something. Is that what Wes has? Or, like... Mm, different mm, one, I, but... We read The Happiest Toddler on the Block, where uh, right. it's, it's mm-hmm. the same thing, where you, you mirror what they're saying, and, and, you yeah. re- and, and, like, you just repeat what they said to you. You know, so mm-hmm. so if he comes and he's like, I want M&M's now. No, you want M&M's, and M&Ms like, now. You want M&M's now. Yeah. You know, like, you don't have to and give it, it to them. It's really frustrating that you want M&M's now. You're feeling frustrated. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. So we talk to each other like toddlers, too, sometimes. There was there was another thing that I wanted to talk about. We're, we're kind of getting down to time. But, I mean, there, uh, there was a part in the book where it talks about uh like sex after kids and just let's do it let's talk about sex let's talk about sex <laughs> we have 10 minutes left let's talk about sex <laughs> <laughs> i mean one of the things in uh your book yeah. is uh, you have the nike effect of just do it could you tell a little mm-hmm. bit more about that what what does that mean just do it so of course after you i mean it was 
months after I had the baby, I was so nervous about what was going on there internally. And I was just very afraid of things falling out of like things bursting. (laughs) It was just, you know, it's, it's such a graphic, weird feeling. Right. And like, I was afraid of being in pain. And, um, so, but then I healed up and I still, I still didn't want to, I was still just in this strange place where I just, well, it's also the effect, um, when you have kids of having hands on you all day long. So you're sort of touched out, you're touched out, you know, you're, you're just feeling, yeah. And Rachel and I talked about, talk about this a, a, a fair amount where, where you just, you just feel like you need to keep something to yourself. But we, <laughs> we knew things were getting bad and we were in this drought. And so there's, there was this, um, really long-term and huge study of sex therapists. And they studied couples over a long period of time, newlywed couples, couples that have been married for decades. And as it turns out, I mean, I think it was like 80,000 sex professionals. And it, and that sounds like, you know, I mean, um, you know, therapists. Mm, yeah. And All right. <laughs> the sweet spot is really once a week. You would think it would be more. It's really not that for maximum happiness, the sweet spot is once a week. And then um, I started delving more and interviewing all these sex therapists. And even for just intercourse, that the the maximum, I'm trying to remember, I think it was like seven minutes for intercourse was the maximum amount of, I have to look it up. <laughs> right? We gotta read but, this but, study, that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> but, or no, I think it was 13 minutes. And I thought, okay, 13 minutes, if you have kind of a, hurried, um, you know, if you sort of get into it quickly, which it seems like you do everything that way when you're um, a a parent. Like, I thought, okay, 13 minutes once a week if it's just intercourse and you're not getting too creative. Once a week, 13 minutes, that's not so much. And so I I put that in my brain and I thought, once a week. And like, I used to, again, like I used to disdain people that said that marriage was work. I was like, scheduling sex, like, come on. But if you can... It doesn't have to be Tuesday night at 10.15. Uh, leave a calendar you- appointment <laughs> with my assistant, uh, please. Uh, thank you very much. Um, if you could uh, schedule that uh, dick appointment with um, our assistant here, uh, that'd be great. Once a week is doable. That's four times a month. Uh, we do have I a strict 24-hour got- cancellation policy. <laughs> <laughs> so... Aim for once a week. And really, you should, it, you know, just do it. And maybe it's not going to be, you know, I had several um, sex therapists say it might not be so great at first. And you might be springing leaks and you might be, you know, out of practice, but just do it anyway. It does start those happy chemicals going of togetherness, oxytocin. That gets going when you have sex. And that's a bonding hormone. And that, mm. you know, it can also happen when you, I mean, not to get off the subject, but non-sexual touching is also important. And when you're touched out, sometimes you don't want to hold hands with your partner or hug your partner, but aw. <laughs> can you feel those chemicals? Feel the yes. chemicals are starting to kick in? Actually, you were talking and, about the the like love languages. One of Ned's is physical touch. Yeah. I um, need hugs. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's important. And like that can go by the wayside. And so I made myself, even with non-sexual touching, which can help with the sexual touching, I made myself squeeze his arm more, hug him, give him a kiss, which also falls by the wayside, you know. And so we tried for once a week. And even he was kind of, you know, in our dynamic, he was the more, he was more eager to have sex because, you know, 
he didn't have um, C-section stitches and stuff. And so he was, he was ready to go. And um, the therapist said, well, if he's more motivated, can he collaborate with you? Again, like talking about it, what is your issue aside from feeling like it's going to hurt? And I said, it's, t- it's because I've been so obsessed with sleep. It's okay. If we get rolling now, I'm losing half an hour of sleep and I, I'm going to be up. It's the baby gets me up early. I don't, it was a sleep thing. Yeah. And the, the therapist said, what if Tom could find a way to carve in an extra half an hour where, where you didn't lose any sleep? And I said, yeah, he started putting the baby to bed earlier when she didn't tell time yet. And even the, when she was a toddler, he was like, okay, I got this. I'm going to put her to bed half an hour earlier. And you know, I was the, I'm always the sucker who who would read like the 17th story to my, my daughter. Mm-hmm. He's not like that. He's like, lights out. <laughs> and he would put her to bed and he was like, okay, I got us half an hour. She usually goes to bed at 830 and she's going to bed at 8. Let's do this. We got 23 and, and minutes. Let's 23 do it. minutes. I only need yeah. 13. And, <laughs> and so that sort of thing helped. And like another was a therapist told us, you know, because I, again, I was the reluctant one. I just was. I was for all the things we just talked about. And so the therapist said, "What if you do a no strings attached thing, where, you know, you always say my back always hurt from carrying her around in um, that carrier, the baby." Mm-hmm. And he said, "She said, what if he gave you a, a a nice massage, not the husband's shoulder scrunch two second thing that he would do? Not I'm not anti husband. I'm just saying my own husband. He would be like, there you go. Oh. There's your massage." He, get, he would give me a good 20-minute massage with massage oil. And if something happened after that, great. And if it didn't, it was the risk that he took. Another was um, – and, and and usually it worked because I would be relaxed. I'd be so Some happy. Cost. It was non-sexual <laughs> touching. There was no strings attached. He really – I might walk away. And another was, um, could you just make out for 10 minutes? Nothing. Nothing is a guarantee. No strings attached. And if you can go further than that, great. And if not – it's at least he's taking a risk, but it's better than nothing. He may, yep. you know, and that would relax me. I, w- I wasn't under pressure mm. and inevitably that would work too. So we did work together on a couple of those little tricks. Cause sometimes you have to deploy tricks. You just do, you know, mm. I wanted to have my mom party after I put the kid to bed, chips, um, you know, Netflix, um, totally. you know, stretched out maternity wear well after I'd had the baby. <laughs> and, <laughs> Still comfortable. And he, you know, in his mind, it was baby's in bed. Now we have an opportunity, you know, so we just had to we just had to work with that. And again, I wish it happened naturally. It just didn't for us. And and I would highly recommend strategizing because research shows people who couples who talk about sex, even when their sex life is terrible, are more likely to to be having it because it's out mm. in the open. Sweeping it under the rug doesn't work. It mm. doesn't. Yeah, it just makes things worse. Yeah. I feel like our sex life is generally pretty good, but there's definitely been nights where we've sort of not been feeling it and agreed to just do it. And then yeah. afterwards, you're like, oh, is it nice. cuddling so much? That was yeah. so nice. Yeah, totally. So afterwards, you were like, we should do this more often, right? <laughs> like, it was that thing where you're like, hmm, okay, that worked out. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. never, you don't regret it ever, really. Yeah. Yeah. You never regret it. And I think it, I, I, I do think, I mean, to just sort of sum things up, I think it all just kind of comes down to uh, communication. You mm-hmm. know, like you have to communicate about sex. You have to communicate about your chores. You have to communicate about uh, like your needs. And uh, yes. I mean, therapy was great. 
Yeah. For us, I think therapy but is I, great I, for you guys. Hopefully that everyone's listening today has gotten a couple of tips that they can try out on their own, even uh, regardless of therapy or not. And definitely everyone go check out How Not to Hate Your Husband after kids, Jancy, thank you so much. Truly this has one been of my favorite books. A this lovely is it, it's just hour. it's it is it, it's a laugh like the whole way through, but I feel like I am also I I, I feel like it also changed my life. <laughs> oh my so god. So you feel like thank it you changed so your life. Thank you for being so open about your therapy. You're really helping people. I had to say that. Like, oh, it's thank just you. Wonderful. I mean back at yeah. you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Ariel, I appreciate you. That was a great job hosting this podcast today. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah, I appreciate you too. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you did a really good wrap-up Yeah, be sure to like and subscribe. Rate us five stars. Five stars. Five stars on (laughs) iTunes. And email your questions at babystepsadvice at gmail.com. Bye.